Broadcasting live from the Love Shack, this is the Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Taya, and I'm joined by my crushes, Mila, Louisa, and Zeba. And this is our Valentine's Day special. It's a one-off episode this month as we rest and recuperate for the new year, but we'll be back with our weekly episodes in March. Before we get into the film, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at the Monstrous Feminine Podcast. In this episode, we're talking about the 2016 romantic horror film, The Love Witch, directed by Anna Biller. In this film, a beautiful young witch named Elaine uses spells and love potions in the modern day to make men fall in love with her. However, each seduction proves fatal, and she soon attracts the attention of the handsome local detective. But will he fall under her spell too? You said we need to give them what they want. Well, what do men want? Just a pretty woman to love, and to take care of them, and to make them feel like a man, and to give them total freedom in whatever they want to do or be. <sighs> but what about what we want? How are we going to be equals with men if we keep catering to all of their needs? I think that if you want love, you have to give love. Have you ever been this down bad? Uh, you mean have I simped? Yeah. Oh, I have. I have as well. I have done I love spell. On? So listen, I was in the sixth grade and but I think it still had lasting consequences to this day. I didn't do a love spell on anybody, but I did a spell where I wrote down all the attributes I wanted in an ideal partner and then I put it in an envelope, sealed it, and I lost the envelope. I don't know where it is today. And I'm, I don't remember what I wrote down. And so now I'm worried that all the things I wanted when I was 12 years old are what I'm getting now because I never broke the spell. And somebody told me if you rip it up or you open it, it undoes the spell like you never did it. But I fucking lost the envelope like a dumbass. And now here I am. If I didn't write down some stupid shit, I know I forgot some critical information. <laughs> The most down bad I think I ever was was I sat through six hours of karaoke with a dude simply because I liked him. You don't like karaoke? Not enough to do it for six hours. Let me add to this that I had the flu and I actually had lost my voice the day before. So I was just there to keep him company. You should have started dancing. That's what we learned. We learned from this film that if you had danced, your feminine wiles would have driven him crazy. I have been very down bad. I hate it so much. People think that it's better being a lesbian. It's not. It's the gutter. It's the trenches. It's the gutters. It's the, yeah, the streets are not for the faint-hearted. I saw a tweet as well that was like, you think lesbian relationships are easy? Have you ever been in a relationship with someone who knows what an attachment style is? I saw that. <laughs> Has anybody had like a wild crush on you? Like they're, they're acting like foolish. Like they have been under a love spell. There's this guy, it was like mutual friends, I was like around a house, and he was like, oh, but I was very clear I was a lesbian, as I usually am, and he was like, oh, you just haven't met the right guy, and I was like, <laughs> the thing is, I was drunk, and I like to tease guys when I'm drunk, especially if they're arrogant, and they take that as flirting, and I'm like, no, it's not, <laughs> but I understand how it could be perceived as such, but anyway, that was like back in like May, he messaged me on, he slid in my DMs like a couple days ago, and was like, hey gorgeous, I had a dream about you, can I like, take you out to dinner sometime, and then like ended with a winky face, and I like messaged him, and I was like, hey, that's sweet, but like, I'm totally gay, remember? And he was like, does that mean I can't take you out? He's so confident that he can flip you. 
I was like the only man who might be able to flip me is Robert Pattinson and you are not him. <laughs> I can't tell if that bar is low or high. Louis I though. know, I was about to say. <laughs> Even if I felt it, I don't think I'd ever do anything about it because I don't want anyone to know that I like them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone's ever been like over the top to me. But also I'm very aware of the fact that I am not observant and so I've probably missed if people <laughs> they'll be like playing outside your window with like flowers in a boom box and you have your headphones in you're like what pretty much I've definitely like stayed in situationships longer than I should have but in terms of being like overtly like down bad I have too much pride so it's like as soon as things are like not to the standards where I do they should be I'm like I'm out I'm over it I'm done you will never hear from me again I'm that way with somebody who I'm not like seeing like I haven't attempted to get with them I'll be, like, down abysmal for somebody who I'm, like, actively dating. You're, like, the love witch who's, like, you should give your man all that he wants. Yeah, this is really traumatizing to watch again because you kind of make it sound goofy, girl. Like, when I do it, (laughs) it's different. But this sounds a little crazy. Is it the same for women? Women are more emotionally available, so I don't have to work ten times as hard to, like, keep their attention or feel as if I'm being appreciated. Like men are just so either like mad aloof or they don't know how to express their emotions. So then I'm just like, I don't know, running after them with piss in a jar, I guess. I don't do that. I don't do spells. Have you ever accidentally done a spell? I saw somebody on TikTok say like, oh, don't like, uh, oh, they slept with somebody's name under their pillow. And now that person's acting crazy. And I'm like, I sleep with a lot of names under my pillow because I just keep my journal under my pillow generally. And then somebody stitched it and said like, no, don't do that. Like that messes with people. What fucks me up is that like when people are like, if you do sex magic while thinking about a particular person, like they'll start thinking about you. Like if you're masturbating and thinking about somebody. Even if they are just someone completely abstract or like a celebrity. We can't all be manifesting fucking each other. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) But to be fair, Mila, we do be fucking each other. You guys all fucking? (laughs) Wait. No, but in theory, you could do sex magic to manifest anything. Like you could think about like your sexy new apartment and then nut and then it becomes, you know, like power. (laughs) I bet you could like do it for the downfall of your enemies. Like what if you like thought about a political assassination? But yeah, I think after watching Thelma, it definitely made me like have more perspective. I was like making my vision board for like 2022 and I was like very conscious about putting actual people on it because I was like watching one girl and she's like, yeah, anyone that I want to work with or like that um, whose lifestyle I really like. And I was like, oh no, this feels icky. It feels like I could be (laughs) messing with their free will and maybe they won't actually want to work with me. I did that last year. I put someone on my mood board and then I felt my, first of all, my friends rinsed the hell out of me. So (laughs) I got bullied. And then second of all, I felt bad. Like I felt like it might be messing with free will. So basically I can't manifest anymore because I feel like, unless it's about me, I can't manifest other people because I get like too icky. The Monstrous Feminine is on Apple Podcasts, so please go leave us a five-star review and write us a little love letter. If you do engage with our content, you might just get a shout-out in our next episode as our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week is Dieselin from Iceland, who gave us five stars and said, A movie podcast run by awesome women, one of my favorite podcasts. Thank you so much, Dieselin. I now have a huge crush on you. I really want to go to Iceland, though. That seems like a really cool place to go. To me, you are the Ada to my parents from Liam. What a niche compliment. 
Friendly reminder that we are also on Patreon. For £1 a month, you gain access to our Discord. For £3 a month, you get to hear cut discussion from our main episodes. And for £5 a month, you get all that, plus a bonus episode. If you have a crush on us, please support us. Any contribution helps. Also, more recently, you can now rank podcasts on Spotify, so go leave us a five-star review there as well. Thank you. Did you guys enjoy this film? That's your very first question. Did we enjoy it? I would say my eyes were certainly entertained and occasionally my ears were. But beyond that, it was like eating cotton candy. It's like, do I enjoy this? I'm having a fun time because like I'm taking cute pictures with the cotton candy, but it's mostly just like pure sweet. Like you're telling me it's a flavor, but I don't really believe you. You know, like like the, in, the experience is enjoyable, but like in the end, I'm like, ew, I can't believe I ate just all that pure sugar. And I don't think I even liked it. You know what I'm talking about? Zava, I think that, that is like, the best analogy for this film on point. In fact, we could just stop it there. Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. <laughs> Had this movie come out a couple years earlier, I think it would be like the biggest thing in the world because like Tumblr would have grabbed its fingers into it. Had it come out like 2012 or 2013, like they really would have taken it and ran. Like that would have been bitches whole personalities in the ninth grade. Like I can see it now. Samantha Robinson is beautiful, first of all. I was watching this film and I was like, I think like if she wasn't hot, it, which is really bad because I was like, I was like thrown into a male gaze, which is funny because it's a female director. But I was like, if she wasn't hot, would I enjoy this? And I didn't want to think that. Well, the whole thing is that she like self-objectifies, right? So like, I also objectify her along with her. Like if her whole deal is about glamour magic and how she looks that's all i'm looking at as well like as a viewer i already watched with the male gaze we've been over this but i'm like girl you made you pointed to something shiny and i looked i was surprised at how dated they made her look in the movie because she looked very like old hollywood glamour and then i was really surprised when i went to her instagram and i realized that like she's a person who lives in the modern day world i don't know why from just seeing like bits of it on TikTok and Tumblr, like the general web, I thought that this was old film. And then I, I went and I was like, it was 2016. Oh, so they did a really good job of like, I, I feel like you would enjoy this film if you were really into like, well, old films, like a new lot. It's kind of like how I feel about, um, oh, what's that fucking La La Land? Like that film was enjoyable if you knew the references or like the vibe of what they were like alluding to i feel like this is the same way kind of enjoyable i feel like la la land is enjoyable because it's a good movie though and this is enjoyable if you love aesthetic i didn't like la la land no i agree that this is also mostly aesthetic as in the vibes are impeccable it gave me suspiria but for some reason i didn't enjoy it as much as i enjoyed suspiria but it was like that kind of like technicolor 60s 70s playful aesthetic the director of this movie anna biller uh, was also the costume she's also credited for like costume design and she's also credited as an editor producer composer production designer and costume designer this is like one of those films where like you rarely see the director's vision carried all the way through and i will say like while this movie wasn't like my favorite thing to watch it was nice to see someone's complete vision realized because I could tell what she was going for, the vibes of everything, 
and how it all tied together and like how the movie itself is like married to aesthetic and then her character is like very much the personification of aesthetic and being obsessed with the ideal of like having the perfect life the perfect man who's completely only obsessed with her i was about to say i feel like i could have watched this on mute like and still gotten this this almost the whole plot like the whole everything and then i realized i went to a party a couple of years ago where they had like a projector in the background and they were playing this movie on mute like they just had it up for the visuals and i think the theme of the party was virginity Zeba, did you join a cult they had like purity rings and like other thing going on Jonas like brothers party <laughs> I don't know. They had like a tent for like couples to go in. It was very strange. What? We were playing this movie on in the background and like girls were in their like little white dresses. I don't know. It was so bizarro. My friend brought me. All this to say that I feel like there are some great quotes in this, but I honestly believe you could watch it on mute and still get the whole everything you needed. Like when she pulls out the tarot cards, it tells the plot of the story. You see them get married. You see her sort of initiated into these rituals. You see who she kills. Genuinely, I don't even think I needed a script. Like it could have been a silent film. I do think like that the character is like shockingly well-developed in a way. (laughs) Even though the movie isn't that long, but like the plot point of her like going after her friend in quotation marks his husband and saying like she doesn't like like how clinky the guy is so she wants a married man because he's not going to be like as obsessed with her and that is actually very much like the textbook therapist reason of why people tend to go for extramarital affairs because they do want someone who's not emotionally available because of their own like issues going on with love or relationships um they don't want like the full commitment of a relationship or for someone to be completely invested in them so i was like oh wow like that's really interesting because her character is so like fascinated with the concept of love that she doesn't actually seem like she ever takes the time to really evaluate if that's what she wants or if it's like what she feels like she should want i don't think she likes men at all i was like i think she's a lesbian like the like she doesn't even need to speak to them was a lesbian yeah I didn't understand why they had that little interaction at the beginning where she was like, no, I don't mean to hit on you. Like, I'm, I'm married. I'm married. And that also explains why she doesn't want to have sex with her husband. Like, she's always like, oh, my husband wants sex all the time. And her friend's like, well, that just means he loves you. And it was like, do you even like having sex with your husband? She was definitely gay. But I also thought the main character, if not was into women, she did not like men. Like, they got on her nerves the second she spent longer than a day with them. She picked them damn near at random. Like, truly just off the street. was like, ah, that one. And she was, I think, in love with the idea of love. It was very compet is what I'm getting at. Like, I think she she just wanted this, like, perfect little world. And it's, like, her look, her aesthetic of, like, everything she cultivates on her own needs a man beside her. Like, that's part of the look. It's almost like an accessory. And, like, maybe they don't even need to speak. It's just, like, part of, like, this fantasy world that she is manifesting. I love that reading of it. Now I like it. That it's, like, a comp hemp. Sorry, I think. I think I've wildly misjudged it. And now I'm like, it is a combat horror. (laughs) And it is horrifying. I do think Elaine did like the detective though, when she was seeing him. But I think the reason why she liked him was because he wouldn't fully commit to her love spell and being like completely into her, which to be honest is the reason why a lot of people She wants what she can't have, you mean? Yeah. People like people who aren't completely accessible or available to them. And when someone's completely devoted, sometimes it can be a huge turnoff. Not personally for me. (laughs) Um, 
I don't enjoy going after emotionally unavailable people. Like her character in a way, like when they have the kind of like face off or whatever, and he tells her like she will never find anyone who loves her the way that she wants to be loved. Do you guys feel like that's kind of a commentary on how the ideal version of love that we see in like the media and old Hollywoody glamour movies of like someone going across the ends of the earth to be with the person they love. Do we still feel like that love is like attainable nowadays or is the modern world too difficult to ma maintain and sustain a love where you're like both completely obsessed with each other without magic? I don't think love was what she was after. Like I think they also had a line about like living up to the feminine ideal in a man's mind. And I think that is what she was after. Like she was willing to change herself and like be whatever type of woman the man she was with at the time wanted. Like when she wanted her friend's husband, he was like, oh, I want like, you know, a wild chick who's like my sidekick. And she's like a little bit crazy. And she's like, I can be that, I can do that. Like, I don't think she was after love. And even when she got like, the obsessive love that her spells were for, she didn't want that either. Like, I don't think she wanted any of the things that she was asking for. I think she wanted to be the ideal woman and like to be affirmed in that she had accomplished that. You, you really got this film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like so into it now. I watched it and didn't like it. And now I'm like so into it. I mean, this is this is my second watch through, and like there were certain lines that hit a little too hard this time. I was like, "Oof, no!" Not not that I thought it was like, I mean, not that I didn't think it was well written, but I think it's like barely written. It's like sort of like a skeleton script. But there, I don't know. There are certain points where I was like, "Oof, I do be doing that." Like, isn't that? awful isn't that like the worst type of behavior because she's so she's always in the wrong like she's she is a she's not like it's hard to see her as a victim because she kills them like she is very wrong-headed in her intention when they were like burn the witch i was like fucking burn the witch man <laughs> but then every other movie we've had with witches i'm always on the witch's side i'm like ah nah there's patriarchy she was jarring yeah she's not a good person I thought, like, this film, you've kind of cleared up some things because I was a bit confused about, like, I was trying to locate the feminism. Like, I get that it's it's a satire type thing, but I was still mad confused if it was, like, because it has, like, really aggressively feminist lines that are very obvious. It's a bit turfy in places where they're, like, the power of the womb, the power of the vagina. But I think that came under the satire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The director of the film said that a lot of people who watch it understand it as like a film that's making fun of films that have objectified women. That the way that she wrote it was more of like a woman who has been objectified and her life has been ruined by being objectified. And so I guess like the characters no longer understands like who she is as a person outside of whatever man she's with. But <laughs> at the same time, like I feel like the subplot of like the town having like a history of witches could have been dug into a bit more. Uh, because like the police department had like an arrangement of being like, okay, don't really investigate because like that's a whole different category. And so I was like, mm, that would have been interesting. Like I would have liked to know more about that. Like how are the other witches' relationships going? Like what made her kind of branch off and kind of only focus on using her magic for love purposes? Especially because like they didn't really last long. 
<laughs> it would be like two days tops that she would be with these dudes. And I'm like, that's a lot of energy and magic to be using ink people to be killing. I thought like maybe the other witches in town would have had some beef with her just about the amount of attention that she was drawing by straight up murdering multiple people. They were all cool with it. I was gagged. They were like, ah, it happens. Sometimes you do a love spell a little too hard. There were people in the town who were already like prejudiced against them for being witches. I was like, wouldn't they be angry that she's drawing so much attention by being like, uh, maybe this dude today. Actually, I'm gonna kill him. Maybe this dude today, I'm gonna kill him. And she was so cavalier about it. She's like, ugh, men troubles. <laughs> like, yeah, and she, like, even at the end, she was like, I haven't done anything wrong. Like, is it my fault that they loved me too much? I was like, are you a Leo? <laughs> it's i was on her side then because i'm like she has not broken the law they did just die i don't know if i can say she killed them when she put it like that i was like yeah you make some excellent points but we're missing out like the poison but cool but but you make excellent points i don't think she meant to kill him i think that was an accident <laughs> still the first guy manslaughter or whatever um, but anyway, back to the feminism versus whatever. I was, like, having some trouble locating it. Just because it, like, I understand that it's, I think it's mostly, like, a parody of all these different things in, like, a big old blender. But there were definitely, like, good for you vibes. Like, good for her vibes. And, like, it was, like, using sex and sexuality as a source of power. But, like, how that becomes exploitative in and of itself if you're doing it purely for like a male gaze like it's just funny that like witchcraft is like the point that they start off with to find their empowerment because like the guy the cult leader is like witches need to figure out where their power lies we feel that a woman's greatest power lies in her sexuality we don't view this power as satanic or anti-feminist but as a celebration of women as a natural creature as an earthly body a spiritual essence and a womb yes that does like you said zeba get a bit turfy because it ties like power purely to like a biologically female body but also it's it's like the source of the empowerment in the beginning but then it becomes like the source of what confines her it's like yes but also in that way you're only viewing women as sexual beings and you're confining them to that role and like the cult leader also is like you know using the ritual as a way to like have sex with his followers so it was weird and she does have some anti-feminist lines like she says things like what a pussy and she says he became just like a woman crying at every little thing and she views like feminine and masculine energy or like women and men sorry is like very opposite and she's like there needs to be polarity as if like feminine can't intertwine with masculine and of itself so it was kind of jarring but i think like there was this other review i read by elena lezik and little white lies which i thought was good kind of explained it for me a bit but elena's self-objectification while a powerful tool never brings her the happiness she craves although she satisfies their primal urge for sex the men she seduces prove more modern and more wily than she initially expects when they demand an emotional bond with her as she once did from her husband she's disappointed elaine just wants to be their sex object a princess of whom they can take care and she will go to gruesome lengths to make that dream come true so i kind of like that it's kind of what we we're saying it's like once she gets the ideal she's never fulfilled because that's not actually what she wants she doesn't want a connection she wants to be this like fragile fantasy woman and she's happy being that kind of mirage i agree i went into this film expecting like you mentioned quite a blatant good for her type narrative but i actually ended up being quite pleasantly surprised i can't really tell if she's like parodying that like biological determinism but i think a lot of the strength of the film isn't so much in like her feminism, but the film more is like a parody of, like we've already said, of like 70s films and B-movies. Like it, it does a good job of that, but also parodying 60s free love culture. 
a group of white people led by a white man who's basically telling a group of women be naked and fuck around and he's essentially feeding them this sort of well I imagine that we would all argue as a sort of mistruth about how that can be empowering for women is to self-objectify yourself. And I actually think in the end, this film criticizes that because it makes it quite clear that that can't fulfill her. And that even when she embodies this very like seemingly empowered, sexually confident woman, like she's still not happy and she's still ultimately not a good person and not someone who, well, maybe, maybe it walks the line a bit because you do admire her that she looks cool and she's beautiful. Actually, like, that could be a good commentary on, like, that false free love movement that, like, we know now, like, in retrospect, was very much shallow and, like, had a really surface-level spirituality to it. Shallow is such the right word because, like, if, if, if we're saying that this is all about aesthetic and surfacy-ness, that makes sense that their spirituality would also be shallow. Which is a bit meta because, like, obviously it's a whole parody of, like, those sort of visually beautiful... B-movies, 60s, 70s films, like we talk about with Suspiria, that it's all vibes. It remains quite critical of it at the same time. The Little White Lies quote cleared up for me because the phrase self-objectification, I was like, I think that locates this, the feminism for me because I think there is a lot of like aggressively, it's particularly like second wave or whatever feminism that goes so hard that you do end up basically self-objectifying yourself and you go into anti-feminism. I think that this film is very good at showing how like an extreme of any side of the spectrum is going to lead into the same exact result. Um, and that's why I quite liked that little, that little phrasing. But yes, yeah, so I think that kind of made it, it made it like, it's quite oxymoronic in its use of feminism and all that. I think like the self-objectifying point is like particularly interesting now in like the era of social media and OnlyFans because like there was definitely like this I would say like 2018-y and even like with the boom of TikTok um narrative that like overt sexual photos and stuff could be empowering uh because you can take them for yourself and then post them on social media and stuff like that and there are a lot of like very young influencer girls who definitely became a big part of that and it's interesting because now I haven't read her full book but I know Emily Ratajkowski in like her book that came out she talked a lot about like how she realized self-objectifying isn't really empowering because the world is still mm-hmm. patriarchal I understand like make your money sis do what you want to do but I think it's a really fine line between like promoting it as like a means to exploit the system to get money because yeah you can make money off of massaging all the way or and then painting it as a way of being empowering because it's a really fine line a lot of like industries are still very male dominated so you aren't in a position of power to where you <laughs> have enough control to say that like i'm pimping the system it's still like it's a meta thing of like a bunch of magnifying glasses and the person behind the magnifying glass is still a dude and there's also like not enough layers of protection I feel like for a lot of like young women who are in sex work to shield them from the horrifying aspects of that so that it can be a safer career uh because there's like all those weirdo incel dudes who be hacking and posting people's OnlyFans content for free on Pornhub and stuff and there's just so many different layers of how it's hard to find empowerment in those industries and in the narrative of like self-objectification because of how many layers of misogyny there is in the world but also in this movie like while I appreciate like the lens that they did that through I also 
was very thrown off by like the comments about like he's such a pussy and stuff because sometimes I feel like we we lose in the sauce in feminism that it's like gender equality um and not just like girl power which is very new wavy white feminism-y. This was a very white movie also I don't think there's any people of color in it. No they were on the police force. Were they? <laughs> oh yeah! The whole like men in feminine roles and like assigning roles as feminine and masculine is kind of in a way like I definitely think the time period when this is made when this came out is why it had those issues because this is definitely something more new wave that we've came, come into upon like the expansion of feminist thought of like how we assign things as feminine how we assign things as masculine and what is true empowerment and how do systems prevent things from being empowering those are definitely like things that have been thought out more over the years and so this film can't be perfect and reflect everything that has progressed since then I get what she was saying in the interview where she's saying she's been objectified and her life's ruined by objectification because like I can see how that comes about because like when you're watching any early 2000s movie all of the like female characters in the movie are just there for the male's plot progression like just there so he discovers himself there so he can realize he likes art there so that he can be wild and free and like the men in this movie are used as in the exact same way. And so like her perception of how she views people is morphed by the fact that she's being used as like a tool in people's lives to make them feel free or make them feel wild or make them feel taken care of. And so she just treats them the same way. And so like she can't have true relationships because of how society has objectified her and made her feel like her only existence is this thing. So in turn for her to feel like she's loved is to make someone else feel like they're just an object in her life. So I do see that point and I understand like why this is acclaimed and on like is it on Criterion collection? I think it is Criterion now. So I understand that but like this isn't a movie I would watch a thousand times but like I like it. I think that you guys have made me like it more. I feel like I need to rewatch it again with a different lens on the point of like using sexuality as a source of power and like you go too far into that and it makes it like objectified and like how that links to like modern day feminism in some ways I think it's like interesting in this movie because it's like she doesn't even like she's so obsessed with the idea of like the only way to like accessing a man's emotions is through sex primarily and then you get emotions afterwards it's like she doesn't even try like if she just I, I was thinking like I was thinking the whole time I was like she probably like could get a man if she just like had a conversation and I was thinking that's like the problem with like modern narratives about like using sexuality because it's like I think it makes people think that that's the only currency they have it's like yes it is a currency and it can be valuable for you and lead you to some sort of like maybe a better position financially or some sense of empowerment in some ways but if used in excess it's like you then become the currency and that is your only currency the scene that stuck with me the most though is when the friend comes over and is like going through all her things on her vanity and like puts on her wig and does her makeup and like puts her bra up to her because she's a lesbian. But I think this is where the self-objectification of like how perfect she is all the time has now influenced another woman to want to look just like her. And that scene was incredibly queer. Like there was like something queer and romantic about like dressing up as the girl you have a crush on. Is she the girl you have a crush on or is she the girl you want to be? Is she the girl who took your man or is she your girlfriend? So when she was like, you know, dressing up like her, it felt very much like I mean, she's obviously like femme, but like the Love Witch is like this high femme, almost like camp level, like put togetherness that is unattainable to other women. Like she looked a little goofy sort of in her outfits or dressing up like her. And then to sort of like be discovered in that moment of like 
aspiring to be that feminine figure was just like I I felt caught I'm like oh (laughs) like not you seeing me like trying to be like you who I hate like it's all very complicated oh my god you've really unlocked this film for me like with this whole compact queer reading and I'm I feel so stupid I didn't see it and then there were mon femme vibes, of course. We had some menstruation. The point about like tampons aren't gross. Women bleed and it's a beautiful thing. My friend looked up the, the spell with the urine and the tampon and the nails. And I think it was Nestle, like other things she was putting in there. Apparently that would keep a ghost from getting you. Like it would, it would protect you spiritually. So she put it on the body so that the ghost didn't come and haunt her and punish her for killing him by accident. Like it would get caught in the jar, be attracted like to her DNA or whatever was in the jar, the tampon, the urine, and it would just get caught there and she wouldn't have to like deal with him in the afterlife. (laughs) But then when they took it away, she started having visions of him again. That's so interesting. I thought it was just like a midsummer, a midsummer kind of like love spell extension thing i didn't realize it was protection you see tampon you think love spell you know well i do from midsummer so i don't need to be convinced that periods are beautiful i find that such a strange like facet of feminism i had to unfollow page on instagram because they kept putting out photos of pads with blood in it and i was like this is not what i signed up for yeah i get what you mean it's like when people like those those artsy accounts that like endlessly post fruits that look like vaginas and i'm like you mean goop <laughs> they do Papayas did not ask for that. I don't know about y'all, but my pussy does not taste like a peach or whatever. <laughs> According to Lana Del Rey, hers tastes like Pepsi Cola. That's why she's so aspirational. <laughs> when you, Mila, when you said that thing about like, like I think you used the word aspirational. I'm like, it's such a trap. Like, <laughs> there's no way. I guess with like a Lana Del Rey type of situation, I'm like, well, I guess she's a real person. Like she is a real person, but she's creating a fantasy. Oh, what I wanted to say is that I think the irony of this is that a lot of people will take this movie and get on Tumblr or get on TikTok or whatever, and then self-objectify. They'll want to dress up like her. They'll want to use the, the audio, the clips, the quotes. And the whole point is going to go right over their heads because they are now going to aspire to the ideal of being this like good for you girl boss who's just like caught in the trap of love if i had watched this at a younger more impressionable age i feel like i would also be wearing like big ass hats and fucking lace collars you know what did you think of the, like the representation of witchcraft it was very like creedy because creed always says that like witchcraft is demonized because it shows like how or like sorry women's bodies are demonized and witchcraft was demonized because it shows women being closer to like nature and more animalistic and there's literally a quote in here that says like we celebrate women's connection to nature and like she also very much celebrates like the menstruation and all that i didn't quite understand the light witch dark witch reference because it was like light witches don't or white witches don't do any harm but i was like she's doing a lot of harm she was not a white witch though she was just a white witch (laughs) (laughs) it was it said that the black witches their rule is that they don't manipulate people's will and so i got the impression that she was not even attempting to be a white witch because everyone in her coven was totally down with her manipulating people's will so i think they were all black witches it was a cult who i think were like appropriating wiccan culture whatever for their 60s agenda when she was pulling all those tarot cards i thought that tarot cards were accurate like the readings she got like she had the tower and the three of swords i was like girl i have been there where you're like reading over and over again you're like surely not that can't be the case oh i have you ever had a tarot reading that like calls you out so much like i'll be like why is my life bad and it'll be like you you and you 
I just had one on the day before New Year's. It was like, uh, you tend to like daydream too much and stay in your head instead of actually doing actions. And I was like, stop. And it was like, if you don't stop, then nothing's going to happen this year. (laughs) You're not going to accomplish anything. And I was like, damn. I have certain decks that are ruder than others. The one that you got me, Louisa, is my favorite one, honestly. I feel like it gives me the clearest, most direct. I have dicks that are straight out mean. I'm like, there's other ways to say that that are nicer. <laughs> you love to be like handheld through your reading. I just have the Rider Weight Tarot, and honestly, I want to get Rachel True's deck because I think it was prettier. This whole movie, deliberately so. I love the aesthetic of it, like the fact that you literally feel like you're stepping into a tarot card, like one of those vintagey ones. I love that. Lots of imagery, especially in the, the scenes with the cult and the wedding. There's a lot of swords, and doesn't swords and tarot mean like trouble like communication and all that and like accessing like i think something expressing emotions which is interesting because she was you know couldn't have any sort of emotional attachment or connection with anybody so i thought that was clever what do we think her sign was leo leo yeah i do not i feel like leos possess a certain amount of energy that (laughs) as an aquarius it's like the fold of my sign they're like the the more outgoing version and over the top version of an Aquarius. I think she definitely had a, she had a Pisces Venus because she was so Stop, lost in a fantasy I have a Pisces world that she Venus. didn't even know. Like she was just, mm-hmm. And I think she had a strong Cancer placement, like cancer maybe a Cancer Moon. Stop. The way she yeah. almost like mommied them. <laughs> I promise you, I'm not doing this on purpose. Okay, I'm, I'm going to hit you with another one. I don't think you have a sad rising. I think she has a sad rising. There's a certain level of chaos that I can't account for. And like, not give a fuckedness. Like she, like when they died, she was like, eh, shrug of shoulder. That was very sad of her. Ty is the love witch. There we go. So David Ulrich for IndieWire said this was a violently female gaze. And he said, the love witch review, Anna Biller's Technicolor throwback is a spell of binding feminist delight. I mean, I put this review in when I decided I didn't like the film, but I've since decided that I did like it. So I'm not sure I disagree. <laughs> the bulk of the reviews I've gotten are by like men saying this is very feminist. <laughs> I was like, that's funny. I don't think it is the female gaze, though. I disagree with that point. It's like a ridiculously male gaze. Like I even said at the start that I, I couldn't not watch this without objectifying her, I felt, because that the film like begged you to. Glenn Kenny for Roger Ebert said there was a sort of deliberate cheesiness to this film. And he also says, this movie is relentless in the way it poses questions about our culture's way of dealing with the power of female sexuality. And it wouldn't work without Robinson, whose appearance and performance is impeccable for the job. And acknowledges that there's not only unease in these questions, but their answers also mordant hilarity. You know, I think the most shocking part about this movie is that the actress in the movie um, is not in Ryan Murphy stuff now. This seems like it would be right up his alley. Like he would have snatched her up and put her on AHS immediately. And I'm appalled that she's not on it. The Ryan Murphy gaze is separate from female, male, all of it. It's just what he likes. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. But I feel like if I made a film, that would be what I'd do. Like if I was a director, I'd be like, this is my gaze. Peter Bradshaw in The Guardian said, The love which goes beyond camp, beyond pastiche, it ignites the pulpy surfaces of its tail and produces a smoke of bad dream sexiness and scariness. It's a B-movie with A-grade potency, but you have to stay with it. You have to understand its absolute seriousness before getting the comedy and the satire of the transactional politics and sex. 
I now agree with that. Alyssa Wilkinson for Vox said it's a vaguely psychedelic fairy tale slash lighthearted self-aware horror story slash queasy feminist psychosexual dramedy. I don't know why this movie is marketed so hard as a horror film in like horror circles and I'm like ain't nothing scary like it's definitely like a rom-com. Rom-com. I'm not sure I'd call it a rom-com. Double feature, how to lose a guy in 10 days, the love witch. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair that would kind of slap. You know what, Loki, I could see Jennifer Lopez play the Love Witch. J-Lo! I, I would like to see it. I could see it. Like, it could easily be Lana Del Rey. Like, blink and you miss it. I used to be so into Lana Del Rey when I was in high school. And to be honest, I think it is because my Venus is in Pisces. We're all fucking damaged from the years of like 2012 to 2015 or honestly earlier than that. My Tumblr was a violent display of a bunch of Lana Del Rey quotes and then like video, like photos and the gifts from that ride video she had where she was like, and the men in my life were the only summer. The way I used to use that quote everywhere at like all of 14. What were you talking about, young Taya? I can't deal with TikTok because TikTok doesn't understand that it's just recycled Tumblr. Like the way everyone started jerking again, I was like, excuse me? (laughs) They go through it with such speed. Like now social media has only accelerated the trend cycle. So it's like you're seeing, like we're seeing trends that we lived and went through already, like again and again and again. Right. Like I just got this BBL and now you're telling me I got to be thin again. (laughs) Like... (laughs) crazy i could have told anyone not to get a bbl those things are dangerous why do all of our podcast episodes go towards bbls before i was informed that it meant brazilian butt lift i thought it meant big booty love big booty love that's what it stands for you're right Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast and on Twitter at The Monfem Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and follow us on TikTok at The Monstrous Feminine Pod for podcast clips and more fun. Brooms up, which is out. Goddess, please send me a beautiful, sweet man to love me as I love him.